0: I just need <laughs> one more second to get this joke off. Who am I forgetting?
1: <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Doesn't even pretend like he's working. I no. know. You could have lied and said, I have to send the
2: Slack message. Here is are Slack. <laughs> oh no. Hello and welcome to Jesuitical, a podcast by the actually young, mostly hip, and unaccountably lay editors of America Media. That lay part means we aren't Jesuits, but we work with them. Join us each week for a smart Catholic take on faith, culture, and the news often over drinks. I'm Ashley McKinless, and I'm joined by Olga Segura. Hey, guys. And Zach Davis.
0: You know, I don't think I give you enough credit for how difficult gathering... It is to
2: find adverbs. Yep.
0: So, (laughs) listeners, typically, Ashley takes on the role of either coming up with or soliciting and finding and choosing Mm -hmm. the adverbs. I took it on this week. Give her a break. And, wow.
2: Yeah, we've had coming up on 100 episodes that's a lot of adverbs Maybe. there are only so many adverbs that pretty makes close sense. pretty close to
0: 300 <laughs> adverbs that we've done
2: uh yeah so so thank you for taking that on um what are we drinking this week zach
0: we are drinking nothing we say we're this podcast is often over drinks just just not during lent yeah so
1: i got some decaf i got some water
0: I, my mouth is dry
1: <laughs> too much information who are we talking to olga This week, we're talking with Colleen Dully. She is the host of Inside the Vatican, a weekly podcast where every week, along with America's Vatican correspondent, Jerry O'Connell, she goes behind the headlines of some of the biggest Vatican stories.
2: Yeah, this is a great podcast. They launched uh, back in 2018. Uh, Colleen is a fabulous colleague and a wonderful podcast host. Um, So if you haven't checked out inside the Vatican yet, you will definitely want to after this interview. So stay tuned for that. But first, it's time for Signs of the Times, the part of our show where we sift through the Catholic news of the week so you don't have to. What's our first story, Olga? So this past weekend, Pope Francis
1: completed a visit to Morocco, and this is the Pope's third visit to a country with a Muslim-majority population. Yeah,
0: and so Morocco this this past weekend, and before that, uh, the UAE, United Arab Emirates, and then before that, Azerbaijan. And this is pretty significant.
2: Yeah, no. So there are a lot of countries. And so when the Pope decides to go to a country, he's sending a message. Um, And that message has been consistent throughout Pope Francis's papacy that he wants to encourage interfaith dialogue, that he thinks it's really important um, for Catholics in these countries uh, to be witnesses to the Catholic faith without necessarily proselytizing
0: couple highlights that we wanted to point out from this trip. Uh, the Pope made an appeal uh, alongside the King of Morocco that uh, Jerusalem be uh, uh, a city that's open to all faiths. Um, there is the largest mass ever in Morocco. And um, he also made an extra effort to spend time with migrants. There's a large population of them living in Morocco at the moment. But I thought we could maybe talk about, um, Ashley, as you mentioned, sort of the the emphasis that the Pope has placed on dialogue. He, you know, he said that... It's not the same as proselytizing, right? We are not just engaging these people because we want to convert them. And Catholics really should become comfortable with um, small numbers of Christians and non-Christian environments, right? That's It's not our goal to right. baptize as, all those people. As
2: Catholics, you know, the United States is more Christian than a lot of Western Europe. But, like, we live in New York City where, you know— there are a lot of nominal Catholics, maybe, but maybe not a ton of people in church every single weekend. And so what is what is our role as as young people living in a city like that?
0: Right. And even if we have a lot of Catholics now, it's the, the number keeps going down. The people who identify and we can either wring our hands over that or, as Pope Francis says, we are just supposed to be like Jesus in the world. And that is much harder. What's our next story, Ashley?
2: So a group of Catholic priests in Poland um, had a book burning this past weekend in which they burned copies of Harry Potter and other books and objects that they considered to be sacrilegious. And this burning
1: became public because the group shared photos of this on Facebook.
0: Yeah. And the headlines everywhere were priests burn Harry Potter books. And... I was sort of struck by that because when I read the story, the more important detail to me seemed to be that they burned an African tribal mask, uh, Hindu and Buddhist religious objects, and I was like, okay, yes, they burned the Harry Potter books, all of our beloved childhood mm-hmm. uh, fantasy series, but also they like were like just very offensively burning other group, entire groups of people's religious objects. So. I don't know what's up with that. What's up with that?
2: As a headline writer myself, (laughs) I know exactly why people did that, but still troubling. Yeah. Zach, what's our next story?
0: A video was posted to Twitter showing people wearing Northern Ireland soccer jerseys chanting, we hate Catholics, we hate Roman Catholics, to the tune of the 1987 hit song I Think We're Alone Now by Tiffany.
1: And the Irish Football Association immediately condemned the incident, and they are working to ban
2: the people in the video from getting tickets to any Northern Ireland games. Yes. Well, as a... Uh, Catholic of Irish origin. I found this very offensive. And it goes against what Pope Francis has has said sports should be, which is something that brings people together, builds bridges across different cultures. Um, so this was a little disheartening.
0: So just context is that there's been a lot of interreligious uh, uh, violence um, in very recent uh, memory the, with the troubles in Ireland and Northern Ireland. And so there's a lot of potential for stuff like this to spill over into very, very fresh wounds in this country. And so, as you said, Ashley, sports could be unifying us and instead so often they divide us.
2: What's our next story, Olga?
1: So in a letter published in Notre Dame student newspaper, The Observer, a mother complained about women who wore leggings to church and the effect that it has on her four Catholic sons.
2: Yeah, so this sparked a lot of outrage on campus. Uh, Women had a day of protest in which they wore leggings. Um, But basically, this mother's point was that um, when, you know, leggings are very form-fitting clothing and that uh, when women wear them, it's very difficult for men like this woman's sons to not look at their rear ends.
0: What were your two reactions to this story?
1: Honestly, I found this extremely frustrating as someone who, when I was 12 or 13, I heard often from people in my family, my parents, who were like, you can't wear bikinis because you'll get ogled by men and you need to avoid that. So seeing something like this, I find it so problematic because you're placing the onus on women and what we wear, how we behave, and the effect that it has on men. Like, we shouldn't be responsible for the actions of the men around us.
2: Yeah, I, to be honest, was a little surprised by how outraged people were, like, I don't think it's that surprising that a middle-aged Catholic woman is calling on younger Catholic Catholic women to dress more modestly. Like that seems kind of like boilerplate <laughs> views of what you would expect someone in that station of life to want. Um and so I don't know, I guess, yeah, like I wear leggings, but I'm not worried about, you know, Marianne White coming to steal them from me. And I think it shows a level of like maybe like I don't know. I thought I thought that the 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 strong reaction against her maybe revealed a little like insecurity about like people wearing leggings to mass. Like maybe there's part of them that is like, yeah, no, maybe I should be wearing something a little bit more modest.
0: Or we are in a new era where views that were used to be traditional are no longer acceptable, maybe in the public discourse.
2: Like there's no be. there's no like call for modesty that could be acceptable. In, in a Catholic space I, I don't feel like
0: that's true I don't, know, I don't think that's what I said yeah no. but
2: <laughs> <laughs> you said views that used to be traditional are no longer acceptable
0: yeah I just meant this this instance I did not say there are no, yeah. there's no, no like, discussion I, about modesty I, we can't I, have.
2: I don't like I don't like anyone policing women's bodies or like contributing to rape culture by saying it's women's responsibility to dress modestly so that men do not harass them I just don't think this woman is like the object of, deserves to be the object of so much fury. But that's just me. (laughs) What's your next story, Zach?
0: Tuesday, April 2nd, the Vatican released Christ Lives, which was Pope Francis's apostolic exhortation that uh, was following the Synod on Young People, the faith and vocational discernment. And so this, what this basically means is we were waiting on a letter. We didn't know if it was going to come out or not. Um, But this sort of adds to official church teaching the Pope's thoughts and the Catholic Church's thoughts on how it should relate to young people in the world.
2: Right. And so a couple of takeaways from this document. Um, first, the Pope acknowledges uh, very clearly that some people, some young people just see the church as irrelevant or a nuisance and not without Um, Without reason, they they see the sexual and financial corruption, the ineffective clergy, the bad homilies, and they think, why do I need to listen to the church anymore?
1: Another observation that I found was that he encouraged young people to take risks and to not be afraid to make mistakes and said that this restless energy that young people have is something that can really help out the church.
0: Yeah, and— I guess something that I thought when I was reading this I needed to keep in mind is that there are really three audiences that he's speaking to, um, one being uh, young people themselves. He's you know making an appeal to them. There are also those that uh, work with young people, and so things that they should be keeping in mind um, when they're guiding and ministering to young people. And then also those in the church that really don't think they need to pay attention to young people. And I think having that in mind when you're reading the document is super important.
1: Yeah, that was something that as I was reading it, I kept having to remind myself of because I would read a section and be like, is this directed to me as a young person, as someone working um, in the church? So I think that's definitely helpful context to give our listeners as well.
2: So within that context, he talked he touched on a lot of different issues, Um, talked about the plight of young people in the context of war and poverty, a lot about migration, sexual abuse, um, digital culture. And so we're not going to do a deep dive on all of those right now but you can you can read the 200 pages if you want or or a summary on America's website one thing that jumped out at me is when he was talking about youth ministry he he made the point that efforts should not be uh targeted at like the select few and and creating you know exclusive communities where like the good catholics go um, and that was my experience especially in college like i felt like the catholic student ministry was like this elite group of catholics who like did all like sat together at mass and did the eucharistic adoration together and like had their own social activities and there was not a lot of outreach to people who might be a little bit more on the peripheries of of the church in college um so i I appreciated pope francis making that point
0: i feel like i needed to hear that as one of those elite catholic kids (laughs) that was super catholic in high school and (laughs) college (laughs) <laughs> Olga, what did you think? What was your sort of takeaway from the document? The, um, even though it's so long, we obviously haven't read it all, right? So we, we all got a summary that we got to look at today. Right.
1: Um, so I think my biggest takeaway, I, I and I was kind of frustrated by it, um, the final document that came out of the synod had a lot of really strong language about the role of women in decision-making processes in the church. And then to just kind of see Pope Francis basically not include any of this language in his exhortation, you know, he has lines where he's like, you know, some women... Some young women believe that there aren't enough role models in the church. Like, yeah, we do. But also, like, please address this leadership question Mm -hmm. that is a huge issue to so many people. Yeah. And
2: that that point was brought up in the press conference that uh, happened at the Vatican today about the about the exhortation. And the point was made that Pope Francis hopes this document is read in conjunction with the final document that came out of the synod. But it would have been nice to hear it in Pope Francis's own words.
0: Yeah, definitely. It is a long document, and so it is worth, as you have time, getting in to read it for yourself. But as we mentioned, there is a uh, just like a 12-page summary, which takes long enough. And we'll put links to that in our show notes. You can find that at org slash Jesuitical.
1: Joining us in studio today is Colleen Dully. She is an assistant producer of audio and video at America Media and the host and producer of Inside the Vatican. Welcome to Jesuitical, Colleen. Thanks for having me. We're super excited. We love having more women on the show to make Zach feel uncomfortable, especially when it's like a female co-worker. Yeah, that's um, always good. Wait, who said I was uncomfortable? Just kidding. I just needed to troll you.
3: I just needed to troll you.
0: Well, I'm excited for this Inside the Vatican Jesuitical crossover mm-hmm. from the America Media Podcast Network.
3: Yes, I've wanted to be on Jesuitical since forever. Yeah. So Goals. This longtime long-time listener.
0: Long-time yeah, listener. that's yeah. true. You're day
1: one. Like pre-adverbs. Yeah, so. like yeah. awkward yeah. early Jesuitical. That's true. is true. Stuck with Um, it. Yeah. So you host Inside the Vatican with Jerry O'Connell, who is America's Vatican
3: correspondent. Mm -hmm. So what is Inside the Vatican and what are you trying to do with this podcast? Sure. It's a weekly like 20 minute Vatican News Roundup podcast where basically we talk about a couple of the biggest stories that have come out of the Vatican this week, in the past week, and we just try to bring like news analysis, you know, give context to things, kind of explain this weird, crazy international organization that is the Vatican to an American audience, you know, we enter into these stories with um, a very specific set of views, right? And and so it's really good to get Jerry's context as, you know, an older By a little bit, you know, relatively. We say veteran journalist. (laughs) A veteran veteran Vatican reporter and uh, someone who is, you know, Irish, he's European, he's been living in Italy a long time. Um, It's just a very different perspective. And I think that that brings something really valuable to to the listeners. What what do you bring as a millennial Catholic who does not work at the Vatican? (laughs) Right. I think I bring... I'm kind of like the audience's representative. So I go into it with a lot of the questions that an average American who like goes to church on Sundays, but maybe isn't super, you know, involved in this stuff uh, would have. And that's what listeners have told me too, is they're like, you ask the questions, I want to know.
2: So what what were the questions that you had going into it that you really, really wanted to dig into with Jerry?
3: You know, I think it was just like, I definitely had a tendency when I went into, you know, if I didn't see progress being made in the Vatican that I wanted to see I would just automatically read like malice into it, right, or things like that, where it's easy to get up and get caught up in this like Twitter troll kind yeah. of. So, because you, cause you culture. started this
2: in the middle of the this new wave of sex abuse yeah. allegations, and so I think a lot of people were looking to the Vatican and asking themselves like, why is this reform taking so long? Right. Um. So, have you gotten any insight into that?
3: <laughs> yeah. So it kind of feels like that that trump tweet from a long time ago like who knew healthcare was so complicated it was like <laughs> who knew that solving this insane international crisis would be so complicated but it is and i think the main takeaway that i've had that i wouldn't have thought of before was that i kind of understand better pope francis's tactic now like it's easy to look at his actions or maybe some might say lack of actions and say, you know, why isn't he just, like, imposing a lot of guidelines and forcing change? And I've learned that, you know, he's opting for a slower progress on purpose because he sees that imposing rules and doing these things that I think a lot of Americans would call for, including myself, he's actually trying to go for a cultural change that focuses on, like, changing the hearts of people, right? So that's why he brings everybody in to listen to survivors rather than bringing them to this meeting to reach resolutions.
0: So, speaking of changing hearts, mm-hmm. has coming to that understanding changed your heart at all?
3: Yeah, it's it's weird, right? Like, I think you said it on the show last week, actually. Why should I be a Catholic who,
0: like, knows the names
3: of my bishops, you
0: mm-hmm. know? or I, I was way better off before I knew members of the Curia by name.
3: Right, totally. And I think I went through that, too, like talking about text abuse every week was very grating on my faith. But I think I've realized somewhat recently in covering this that it really hits home, this idea from, like, the Bible that, that God picks really imperfect people to do what God wants to do in the world all the time. And it, you know? <laughs> yep. And, uh, and I think it also teaches me a little bit about, like, there are certain things that'll happen that if you're analyzing the Vatican from a purely like political perspective and seeing all the people who work in it as political operators, that they'll do things that sometimes make no sense. And you realize that like what's driving them sometimes, hopefully, is like the Holy Spirit. So we that, hope and pray. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right.
2: Yeah. That was what we when we last week we talked about like the intrigue around the Vatican conclave that elected mm-hmm. Pope Francis, which I know you also talked to Jerry about right. how how it can seem kind of like like a U.S. political election with totally. like backstabbing and alliances. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but
0: we midterms.
3: Do...
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Do you think there is a, a a healthy way to follow Vatican news? Do you think there is a temptation to like look at it in too political a fashion, yeah, and, or totally. or to care too much about it? Like, do we really need to be putting this much of our attention? into the vatican news like should would yeah. not be paying attention to what's going on in our own parishes
3: no 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 <laughs> i totally ne- do we, think... we even need
0: your podcast <laughs> just
3: i think you need my podcast in the same way that your listeners need signs of the times so mm-hmm. on the show right mm-hmm. it's let me dig through this stuff so you don't have to right nobody should have to follow this stuff super closely but i think there is something to be said about or said for uh following this stuff so that you can more effectively push for change or you know try to hold people accountable like if you're going to go talk to a bishop about what's been going on in the church something that that you think you know you can help with or that needs needs to be done differently you're going to have a lot more credibility if you if you know what's going on in the Vatican so there's a balance
1: Last week um, in our episode, we talked about the resignation of Lucetta Scarafia and the All Women Editorial Board of Women Church World. And you interviewed her back in
3: February. What did you guys talk about? So, Lucetta Scarafia um, was the editor of Women Church World, which is a monthly magazine that comes as an insert in the Vatican daily, the Osservatorio Romano.
2: And she, she resigned last week.
3: She did. Lucetta and her entire staff resigned last week uh, in protest of what they saw as like male control being imposed on on their magazine. And when I spoke to her, I didn't know she was going to resign. But we spoke really generally about the position of women in the Vatican, primarily about the religious sisters who are working in the houses of cardinals and the bishops who have, you know, jobs like cooking and cleaning in these houses. And how, you know, they're in kind of an unstable situation. Um, a lot of the times they're not given contracts. Their compensation isn't uh, written down anywhere. It's not guaranteed. And this creates a lot of instability for their religious communities. There's also, like, an atmosphere where they're expected to be, like, obedient no matter what, right? So this plays out in terms of, you know, they they don't always feel that they can speak out about the way that their labor is being abused. And then if that escalates to other types of abuses of power, they don't always feel that they can speak up about that either.
2: Yeah, and these are the kind of stories that Lucetta was trying to tell in in the magazine, right? Right. And so now that she and the all-female staff at the magazine have resigned, what is the future of the magazine and the chances that we're going to hear more of these stories?
3: Yeah, well, that's hard to say right now, right? Uh, Lucetta resigned in part because she saw uh, the new editor of the Observatorio Romano, who's named Andrea Monda, uh, she saw him as kind of overstepping his power and trying to influence the magazine too much and undermine their voices. And when she resigned, you know, he kind of denied this. But then he also said uh, he fully intends for the funding to be set aside for Women's Church World and for them to continue. It's not clear yet who's going to be on the editorial board, so it's not clear you know, how much of a change there's going to be when they bring in the new staff or who those new staff members will be.
0: What were some of the specific things that she was alleging in terms of editorial oversight?
3: Lucetta said that Andrea, when he came in, uh, threatened to take over as editor of the magazine, the women's magazine. And, you know, he denied that. I haven't seen that like verified anywhere except for when in Lucetta said it. Yeah. yeah. Um, she said that he backed down from that after she said that her staff would resign if he took over. And she also said that the magazines that Women Church World is published in multiple languages by that they would refuse to publish their content if Lucetta wasn't in charge.
2: In your interview with Lucetta, she talked about how, um... There's kind of like this double edged sword for being a woman working in the Vatican. On the one hand, you might not be appreciated, but mm-hmm. on the other hand, because you're so ignored and <laughs> like you can kind of get away with things. Um, yeah. And it was, it seems like it was only after um, Women Church World had these, you know. Like global headline-making stories about women's labor conditions and the sexual abuse of women religious, that they maybe came under more
3: scrutiny Mm -hmm. at the Vatican? Yeah, it was really interesting. She drew a parallel between the situation of her magazine and between women in the Vatican. She was saying, you know, women are kind of invisible in the Vatican. Nobody pays too much attention to them. And so they're able to create these spaces for themselves to speak out, speak freely about the issues they're facing. And Women Church World was one of those spaces. And uh, so, yeah, I wrote a news analysis for America kind of saying this where, you know, it's like, so if if they've resigned, what does that mean for, you know, the situation of women in the Vatican? Like, are women going to start kind of breaking off in these little places where they feel like they can speak freely and, and what happens when those places don't exist?
0: What are some of the ways that women could get greater representation in the Vatican, sort of like right away.
3: Yeah. Well, one of the things that Lucetto was pushing for was women cardinals, right? Mm -hmm. There's no canon law obstacle to that that could happen tomorrow, right? But Pope Francis probably won't make it happen. Um, I think, you know, questions of ordination get really hairy and they're probably not something that we want to get into on here. Um, But I think we kind of need to divorce the idea of Vatican leadership from the question of ordination, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you don't need to be ordained to hold high up decision-making positions in the Vatican. You don't need to be able to, like, consecrate the host and mass in order to be an effective leader. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, one thing that would be really great would be just starting to put women into, you know, positions of leadership without it becoming a fight about ordination every time.
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the most frustrating things about being a woman in the church whenever everyone's just, like, so attached to the issue of women's ordination. And mm-hmm. it's just, like, there are so many easy ways to include women, like, have more publications like this where women can talk, have right. women, like you said, in more decision-making processes in the church. You know, it doesn't just have to be attached to this one super hairy issue. Yeah. Um. So that, to me, is always super frustrating. But what's what's your experience as a young Catholic woman in the church been like?
3: I mean, that's a super general question. Um. <laughs> you know i've had the experience that a lot of women have had where the first time that you ever encounter being told that you can't do something because of your sex is is in the catholic church right when you look at priests and say oh i think i could do that and then you're like oh i can't and like just because i'm a woman but on the other hand i think i've had like a very good experience because of the opportunities i've been given at america especially you know i'm 24 and i have like a podcast that's listened to internationally about Vatican news where I can speak pretty freely. And I'm super grateful for that. I think that, you know, this is an example of the way to raise up women's voices.
2: So what has surprised you most in doing this podcast? What have you learned? Hmm. Do you just have such low expectations
3: for the Vatican that (laughs) nothing could shock you? (laughs) (laughs) No, no. It's, It's more like, I think the surprise was... Was how complicated it is, right? There's just so much, and even like looking at a weekly roundup seems really fast paced, right. like it, and that's slow compared to the twenty four hour mm-hmm. news cycle. But yeah, it's 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 a challenge to look at that broader context.
0: Um, is there something about the Vatican that you wish more Catholics knew?
3: Hmm. Um, I wish Catholics knew like
0: there's not actually walls around the Vatican.
3: <laughs> I wish some Catholics knew. <laughs> I don't know. I wish that they knew that. Uh, I wish that I could give a better sense of how complex it is and how, like, difficult it is to steer this ship.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you have like some empathy for. Yeah. How the, long things should take? we
3: should Catholic be a little bit more patient with the papacy. This is definitely I had to go through the phase of, you know, covering this at first and being like, oh, my God, nothing ever changes. And it's infuriating. And like being put through that every week has has forced me into more right. patience. Right. But you've I, I know we've also
2: talked about um, when you read I guess, was it the final document coming out of the Youth Synod? The, yeah. A line that jumped out to you was um, about... Restlessness. The restlessness <laughs> yeah. of youth. So, so I guess you want to balance, you know, being patient with the reality of how the Vatican works and maintaining that restfulness. Rest, right, 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 Restlessness.
0: Restlessness. <laughs> yeah, totally. That is the both and restlessness <laughs> and patience you can find every week on Inside the Vatican. <laughs> Colleen, we have one final question for you. Oh, Lord.
3: You already know who you I'm going to say.
0: Know <laughs> you know
1: it's coming. As a day one listener, you know it's I coming. I know what you're going to ask, and but, you know who I'm going to say. But we gotta,
0: we got to <laughs> ask it nonetheless.
1: So if you could canonize anyone, Catholic or not, living or dead, who would it be and why?
3: Madeline Del Varel, uh the French Dorothy Day, who I wrote an article about last February. Um, she's called the French Dorothy Day because she wrote really prolifically. She is a convert from kind of an agnostic, bohemian society culture. Uh and she started Houses of Hospitality and she worked really hard for different social justice causes. Um, but I think the thing that really gets me about her is that she is a saint for people exactly like us, like people who live in a big city, uh, who, you know, she draws a parallel between like missionaries standing at the top of a desert hill and looking out and seeing all the unbaptized land that they're going to go evangelize, Right. And she draws a parallel between that and, like, us standing at the top of a subway staircase during rush hour. And I don't know. She's just been kind of a patron for this, like, New York chapter of my life. Like, the stuff that she says really speaks to me. Like, you know, you need to carve out a, like, cavernous space in yourself for the word of God to echo about. And, like, that's what silence is. It's not going into a monastery. Like, that kind of thing really speaks to me when I'm, you know, going through this crazy city every day. So
0: and Not enough Catholics know about her.
3: Yeah, totally. So She uh, she gets S- eclipsed a lot.
0: St. <laughs> Madeline, pray for us. Amen. Colleen, that you can find your work at Inside the Vatican is the name of the podcast. Mm-hmm. You can find that at AmericanMagazine.org and in our show notes. You bet. Thanks for joining us. Thanks,
3: Thanks for Colleen. having Colleen. me. <laughs>
2: All right. Now it's time for some housekeeping. In April, there are three Solidarity on Tap events that you can head to if you are in Chicago, Portland, or Raleigh. Um, So you can go to ignatiansolidaritynet slash solidarity dash on dash tap to find out more information. Now it's time for Consolations and Desolations, the part of our show where we talk about where we found God this week and where it was harder to find God. What do you have, Olga?
1: So this week I've got a desolation. Um, I feel like I started Lent off really strong with my prayer life. I was doing a prayer routine in the mornings, finding some like a minute or two during the day and then at night. Um, But in the past week or so, I've gotten really like stressed out with stuff in with work stuff and just with wedding planning and things like that. Um, And it's I've just completely abandoned my prayer life. Um, And instead of just kind of returning to the centering that I found in the first few weeks of Lent, I'm just viewing it as another inconvenience that i cannot deal with um and i know that that is you know as we say the evil spirit trying to pull me away from my spiritual life but i have not been able to just return to it um so that's been a complete desolation this week
2: yeah can relate i had such a good like i was not listening to podcasts on my way Mm -hmm. into work and reading like spiritual readings instead and that has kind of fallen off. Yeah, I'm like, it's why like, do I? What's st- wrong with me? I'm like, why
1: do I start off Lent so good, and then halfway through, I'm just
2: yeah. like, mm, God, that'll be fine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> See you. <at> Easter. Yeah. <laughs> All
2: right. What do you have, Zach?
0: Uh, I've got a consolation this week. I've been noticing a pattern in my prayer life. Is I think be as a result of the sexual abuse crisis and covering it so much at work and just paying attention to it in general. That um, one of the ways I respond to that is with uh, cynicism just towards my own spiritual life or things that church leaders say or things that the Vatican puts out. And that was sort of the context I was bringing or the feelings I was bringing to this document that Pope Francis put out this week um, on young people because it is something I should be like super jazzed about, something I've written about, something I've been involved in my whole life. And I wasn't excited to read it. Nonetheless, sort of reading through it today, I found myself really moved just to see young people be talked about as, you know, their lives are holy ground and they should be treated as such. And it's something the church needs to be paying attention to. And also acknowledging some of the frustration that young people feel in the church sometime, he ended the letter with this statement saying that, you know, please keep running to Jesus. Please follow the path that he's calling you on. And if you get there before the church does, please have the patience to wait for us. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 that broke me out of my cynicism and allowed me to see where God was speaking to me in this document. And it was, I don't know, it was really nice. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Ashley?
2: I also have an apostolic exhortation-related consolation. Excellent.
0: should send this uh, feedback back to Pope Francis.
2: <laughs> yeah, so I was I was reading starting to read the document um and one one quote really jumped out at me um because I was already think trying to think about oh gosh what is my consolation or desolation going to be this <laughs> later this afternoon. Um and he writes God does not get upset if you share your questions with him. He is concerned when you don't talk to him, when you are not open to dialogue with him. Um and that jumped out at me because I w- I was thinking like this morning like my desolation is that there are parts of my life that i am just consciously, consciously not bringing to prayer like i'm not ready to i don't want to like i'm just going to put that on hold <laughs> um and then and then this quote gave me gave me this image of god as like as as like my mom who's like worried cuz i haven't called in a couple weeks and just like having that that image of god as as someone who's who's concerned that i haven't spoken to him in a while like my mom would be if i didn't call like that that just kind of like kind of tugged my heart to be like okay maybe maybe these things that you um don't feel ready to pray about you you can bring to god as as questions or as just like you know things that you're ready to just kind of like put on the table and let sit there and see what happens <laughs> um so I was yeah I was it was really moving to you know have this 210 page exhortation really move me to prayer
0: you know and it's a good reminder we should all call our mothers
2: yes also
0: evergreen that. evergreen <laughs> advice
2: righty Jesuitical is brought to you by American Media and produced by Eloise Blondio our editor is Noah Levinson adverbs provided by Zach Davis Jesuit formation provided by Eric Sundrup SJ engineering by kieran freeman you can follow us on twitter at jesuitical show please subscribe to us on apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite podcasts and leave us a review shout out this week to kelly Vaux, and you can send your questions feedback cocktail recipes and tell us where you found god this week at jesuitical at American for American media i'm ashley McKinless with olga segura and zach davis we will not see you next week we will see you in three weeks when we are back after easter